Well, at the beginning of March of 2020, I had great plans for me. I had great plans for what that month and what that year was going to hold and what it was going to look like. And so as the realities of the COVID pandemic began to set in over those first few weeks of March, what I noticed is that I really resisted changing my plans. I really resisted thinking about the impact that this was going to have on my life and on the world. And this bore itself out in a few different ways. One of them that was maybe a little bit more comical, a little bit more naive looking back During our first week of working from home as a staff at CPC, when we all moved to working from home, I was in my living room with my husband, and I said, hey, I'm supposed to officiate that wedding down in Austin, Texas in June, and we still haven't bought our flights. We should really get on that. And he goes, well, I mean, do you really think we're going to be flying in June or that wedding's are going to be able to happen? And I go, of course it will. This won't last for three whole months. (laughs) I never could have imagined. I just couldn't have imagined at that point that this would last now over 18 months. And during that season, it was really easy for me to get into a mentality of just waiting this out, that this was going to somehow be short enough that the ending would be abrupt enough that I could just put my head down and bear the season. And then one day I would wake up and it would just feel like 2019 again. Well, it's been long enough now that we just know that that's not going to be the reality. And the changes that have happened, both in like our visible lives, the ways that things have changed for us, and our interior lives, individually, what has been happening with us. It is too big for us to just pass through. It's too big for us to think that we can just wait this out and then all of a sudden it will be gone. Jesus is calling us right now, today, even in this season, into relationship with him, to find purpose and to find meaning with him in relationship now. Back in 2020, a poll was taken of American adults. The question that was asked of these people was, Has the COVID pandemic had a severe impact on your mental health? Has the COVID pandemic had a severe impact on your mental health? Back in 2020, pre-vaccines, pre-regathering, this was back when schools were still shut down, the impact of COVID was huge at this point. 37% of adults responded that the COVID pandemic had a severe impact on their mental health. 37%. That is a high, high number. That's over one in three adults. We just can't push past that number. But the little delusion that we can get into, that once things get back to normal, we'll be all good. If that were the case, what we would think is that in 2021, when that poll was taken, that that number would have dropped, right? Now we're regathering. We can see some people's spaces back in church. We, our schools are back in session. Many offices are back together. Senior living facilities are open. You would think that in our sense of relative normalcy that we're getting back to, that that number would have dropped. But this year when the poll was taken, rather than going down, that number went up from 37% to 43%. There's a whole lot going on under the surface of our lives right now. We have endured a whole lot as a culture and individually, and we can't just push past it. Jesus is inviting us into relationship now, and so the sermon series that we're in is called Don't Just Wait It Out. Don't Just Wait It Out. Petey preached last week kicking us off saying that Jesus can help illuminate our realities for us so that we can better accept them. 
This week, we are talking about what it means for us to step before Jesus and to release our pain to him. Not asking for quick fixes from him or pretending like he will just solve the problem of the pain that we have gone through, but knowing that Jesus will step into it with us and that he will offer us an everlasting hope. Now, this is a challenging thing for us, I think, to actually come before Jesus and to tell Jesus what's been wrong. Because if we're being real, a lot has been wrong over the last year. We have walked through big, hard things. I know some of you have gone through losses over the last year. You haven't been able to see family members. Things like that wedding down in Texas got canceled. Big marking things like that came to a close. But there were also just small things in our day-to-day lives that we had to deal with that caused anxiety, that caused concern, even just caused irritation. Do you all remember that there was a time last year when if you needed to go to the grocery store to get things like toilet paper, some essentials, that you may or may not find those on the shelves when you show up at the grocery store? There were anxieties in our lives that, that caused a real impact on us. Showing up to worship on Sunday mornings, I remember the first Sunday I came in here and had to preach to a video camera. I have to tell you, it was hard. There was hurt over and over again. There was anxiety. And so while it may be easy to think that we can just put, put our heads down, that this will pass and we don't have to think about it, Jesus is inviting us to take those big things and the small things that have happened to his feet and to see how he shows up. We get to see a beautiful picture of someone doing this in Scripture in John chapter 11, which is where we are going to be today. We're going to start off in verse 28, but but to give you a little bit of context for what is happening. At the beginning of John chapter 11, Lazarus, one of Jesus' friends, falls ill. His sisters, Mary and Martha, send word to Jesus saying, Your friend Lazarus is ill. Please come. Jesus chooses to wait two whole days before he then goes and shows up. So by the time he gets there, Lazarus has been dead for four days. After a brief exchange with Martha, we see what happens when Mary brings her pain to Jesus and releases it at his feet. This starts in verse 28. After Martha had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Mary brings the fullness of her pain to Jesus. Mary comes to his feet, and what we actually see is that she crumbles at Jesus' feet, weeping before him, and says, maybe even yells the words, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
And we see Jesus' response when she steps forward with what she's truly experiencing. Jesus doesn't run. He doesn't push her away. He doesn't get angry at the somewhat accusatory words that she spoke to him. Instead, it says that Jesus was deeply troubled in his spirit. And then it says, the shortest verse in the Bible, verse 35, Jesus wept. He wept alongside her. He chose to feel alongside her and to enter into her pain. Now, some people say that this passage communicates how human Jesus was, how raw he could be, that he could shed tears. But what I actually think happens here is that Jesus is communicating the very heart of God when he weeps with Jesus. Jesus communicates God's heart when he weeps with Mary. So what we have is in this passage, language that is echoing the very language that God uses long before Jesus shows up on the scene. About 600 years before Jesus arrived on the earth, God's people were going through a hard time. This was one of many hard times that they had been to, been through. And in this instance, they were exiled. So another nation had come in, had attacked them, had scattered them, and God's people were grieving deeply. But what we read isn't that God is upset on behalf of his people or that he is upset for his people. What we read is that God is actually upset with them. There's a passage in Jeremiah 9 that communicates who is grieving, and this is what it says. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Consider now, call for the wailing women to come. Send for the most skillful of them. Let them come quickly and wail over us until our eyes overflow with tears and water streams from our eyelids. God is weeping here. He's saying that when his people hurt, he hurts. When God's people hurt, he hurts. When Mary hurts, Jesus hurts and weeps alongside her. And when we are hurting as a people, when we are going through times that are unknown and when we are aching, God steps into it and wants to be there with us in it. Tish Harrison Warren, a theologian, puts it this way. She says, the hope God offers us is this. He will keep close to us, even in darkness, in doubt, in fear, and in vulnerability. He doesn't promise to keep bad things from happening. He doesn't promise that night will not come. Rather, God promises that we will not be left alone. He will keep watch with us in the night. Jesus knows that this life won't be easy for us. He knows that we are going to encounter hard times along the way. The way that I like to think about it is as, it's as though we're um, all on an airplane. I know because of COVID, many of us haven't been on an airplane for a while, but just think about it for a second. What was it like? Think about being on an airplane. The moment that a plane hits turbulence, it's not a good feeling. I don't know why, but I always grab onto the armrest next to me as though that's going to do something. I'm not really sure why. But when a plane hits turbulence, it is an uncomfortable moment for everyone. You feel that sense of fear. The very best thing that can happen in that moment is for the pilot's voice to come on overhead and to say, I'm your pilot. I know there's turbulence happening, but I'm still leading. I've still got this plane under control, and we're going to get through this. The pilot doesn't stop the turbulence. He reminds us that he's with us that he's leading, and that he is the one who is in control. 
This is what God does for us. I know this last year has held a lot of turbulence for all of us in different ways. In big ways and in small ways, our lives have been hit with a variety of turbulence. Early on in the pandemic, I remember I had one of these moments. Um, About a month in to, to us working from home and being really in this pandemic, I found out that I was expecting our second child. So, um, for context, I found out I was expecting our second child. I had a baby, and she's almost walking. If you were wondering how long we've been in this, it's been a while. It's been a season. (laughs) But when I found out that I was expecting, I needed to make some phone calls to set up appointments. And the message that I kept getting from all of the nurses and everyone I talked to was that I was the only one allowed to go to the appointments. My husband was not allowed to go there with me. This created a whole lot of anxiety inside of me, just knowing that there's a lot of unknown going into those appointments. I tried to grab on to the handrails next to me and tried to control the situation, and that looked like me making a whole lot of phone calls and really trying to push. And once I realized that there was nothing that I was going to do to stop that turbulence, I realized that I needed to just go through it. I needed to go through it. It wasn't what I wanted. It didn't feel good that he couldn't be there but God was going to be with me in it, and he was going to see us through this. The second thing that a pilot can do to offer comfort and peace, the biggest thing that he can do, or she can do, when we're going through hard times, is they can land the plane in the destination that you are hoping to get to. The moment the wheels hit that tarmac, there's a deep breath. We made it. Jesus, when he encounters Mary in the Gospel of John and she is weeping and crying, he both steps into her pain to offer her comfort, but then he also reminds her that there is a destination far beyond what she can imagine right now and that it is a place of true hope and true peace. In John chapter 11, verses 41 through 44, we read, Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Jesus performs an amazing miracle, an amazing miracle in this moment. If we read it on the surface, what we could read is that Jesus is just offering a quick fix, (laughs) a quick fix to Mary's grief. While we can celebrate this miracle that Jesus performs, we cannot let it distract us from the bigger point that Jesus is making, though. When Jesus yells out those words, Lazarus, come out, What he's doing is echoing the words of God in Scripture that point us to an everlasting hope, an everlasting redemption, and a kingdom to come that God has in store for all the people who are in his family. So back when I mentioned that there were people who were exiled, God's people were going through pain. God speaks words that echo this promise. We read in Isaiah Chapter 49, it says, I will say to the prisoners, come out, Lazarus, come out. I will say to the prisoners, come out in freedom and to those in darkness, come into the light. They will be my sheep grazing in green pastures and on hills that were previously bare. They will neither hunger nor thirst. The searing sun will not reach them anymore for the Lord in his mercy will lead them. He will lead them beside cool waters. 
The truth of this passage is that we will go through hard times. God's people have always gone through hard times. But God knows that this world is not our end point. God will one day lead us to a place where we will neither hunger nor thirst, where he will lead us beside cool waters. No matter the turbulence in our lives, he will lead us there. And Jesus then echoes this with Lazarus when he says, come out, Lazarus. He is proclaiming to Mary and to each one of us that he is the one who has resurrection power. Jesus in John 11 proclaims this very fact. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. We can bring our pain to Jesus right now. The big stuff, the little stuff, the hard stuff, as we are walking through the season, we can bring it to the feet of Jesus because he will first step into it with us. He will feel alongside us. He's not scared of our pain. He knows it already. And also, this is temporary because God has an everlasting hope for us. Dale C. Ortland puts it this way. He said, whatever is crumbling all around you in your life, Wherever you feel stuck, this remains undeflectable. His heart for you, the real you, is gentle and lowly. So go to him. That place in your life where you feel most defeated, he is there. He lives right there, right there. And his heart for you, not on the other side of it, but in that darkness, is gentle and lowly. His, your anguish is his home, so go to him. God isn't scared of our pain. He knows it. He's the pilot. He feels the turbulence along with us. He's felt the big stuff and the small stuff. He wants us to bring it before him, to release it to him, to release it at his feet. Because when we do, he will come alongside us and he will center us in the hope that he has for us. We can choose to buckle down. We can choose to try to carry this on our own, or we can open ourselves to him. Over the next few minutes, I want to have just a time of reflection in our lives. If you would want to open up your hands, maybe you can close your eyes if you want to. We're going to take a moment to think about those places of pain. Maybe you've hidden them from Jesus. Maybe Jesus is fully aware and you've said it before him. But this morning, I want to invite you to just rest in him, to release it to him. It may have been a loss that you experienced of a family member, a friend, a hope, a job. Some of you went through transitions and moves that were challenging. Some of you have navigated caring for kids or for elderly parents. Some of you have had conflict. Big conflict with family members over masks and vaccines, and that pain is still unfolding. Jesus invites you right where you are. He can hold it. He loves you. And he has an everlasting hope for each one of us. We pray this and release it to you now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.
can stand for our closing song.